Hi, this is Taylor Stuber. And this is Sean Smithgall. We are both clinical pharmacists and faculty members at Auburn University Harrison School of Pharmacy, and we are your hosts for the Postgraduate Pharmacist. On the Postgraduate Pharmacist, we focus on preparing and obtaining postgraduate training positions. From current events to expert advice, you'll have up-to-date content related to postgraduate training. New episodes are released every other Monday, so don't forget to like or subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at PG Pharmacist or Instagram and LinkedIn at The Postgraduate Pharmacist. And don't forget to separate and stand out. Sean, you mentioned a few episodes back when we talked about interviews that match day is probably one of the most nerve-wracking days in an applicant's postgraduate training journey. Are you still sticking with that? Oh, most definitely, Taylor. I don't think any day compares. The only ones who would not be anxious on this day are, in my mind, just current residents who've early committed. Everyone else, I believe, is going to be very anxious. I mean, it's such a polarizing day. Most people are either elated beyond belief and likewise relieved beyond belief because they've matched or they've had their soul crushed or literally crushed before their eyes. And there's probably a tiny bit of people who are slightly disappointed they didn't get their first or second ranked program, but really that pales in comparison to the overall just being happy that they've matched. Yeah, and over the years I've witnessed you know a lot of heartbreak on match day, a lot of tears and people having to, to contemplate their futures. And a reminder for our newer listeners, if you are unsuccessful to check out One of our really powerful episodes we recorded last year with our guest, Dr. Gladys Hurd, when we talked about what to do if you don't match. Since it's before match day, I want to spend this episode talking about mentally preparing for the match. The whole thing, from submitting your rank order list to the anticipation, all the way to match day itself. And I couldn't think of two people better suited to talk about this which is why I'm excited to introduce two returning guests to the postgraduate pharmacist today, Macy Wigington and Devin Rockwell. Macy is currently completing her PGY-1 pharmacy practice residency at the University of South Alabama University Hospital, and Devin completed a PGY-1 residency in pharmacy practice at the West Florida Hospital and is now completing her PGY-2 in ambulatory care at the USA Family Medicine and Health Physicians Group. Macy and Devin, welcome back to the Postgraduate Pharmacist today. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to be back. Hopefully I can redeem myself with trivia today. Yeah, hopefully you get this one right. This might be a little bit more in your wheelhouse. As returning guests, our listeners already know about your journey in the postgraduate training process. So I want to get straight to the topic of mental health and the match. So let's start with figuring out and submitting a rank order list. What was it like creating a rank order list? What was going through your heads and how did you go about doing it? So for me, I definitely had a strategy for how I ranked my order list. And I set forth my priorities and ranked according to that. And so for my first priority, it was just getting a residency and getting trained. And so any program that I interviewed at that I could see myself being at for a year, I ranked. 
After that, then I looked at my second priority, which was staying more local. And so those programs went to the top of my list. And then after that, I looked to see what the program offered and how that fit in with my future pharmacy goals. And then those went even further to the top. So I kind of believe that everything can be made into an Excel spreadsheet. I feel like most (laughs) things can be. Um, So I did all of the programs in one column and then I did columns of things that I was assessing and I assigned those columns point values. So some of those things were it was an academic medical center or it was a level one trauma center, how close it was to family, the rotations that they offered. And each of those had a different point value. And so I went through all of the programs that I interviewed at and I basically graded them. And at the end of the Excel spreadsheet, it had totals for each place. And that is how I did my rank order list. It's a very objective way of, of creating your list. And that's great. And, and, and you could probably, you know, if you had super strong feelings, you felt like you could argue with yourself, you probably could go a little subjective after you get those rankings, but that still gives you a nice where to start. Cause it's hard to put all that together. And I also had my family rank programs. So after Mm. I got done interviewing, I called my parents and just talked about the interview and talked about my thoughts on it. And I had them rank the programs. And that was just based on what I was saying, the tone of my voice, and our list matched up pretty well. You have very loving parents. If I called my mom, first thing she always says to me is, are you in the car? Because she thinks I only call her when I'm bored and in the car. <laughs> That's really cool to bring your family in and get that perspective. Did they rank? Was it like this one's closest to us? So this is number one. This one's a little further away. This is number yeah. two. Well, my dad was very objective in how he ranked them. I think he probably also had an Excel spreadsheet. My mom definitely ranked based on location. First. Okay. I don't want my baby girl going too far away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really cool that you did, did all of that. Um, it's completely the opposite of what I did. You know, I was kind of just like, yeah, I feel like this one is my, is my top one. <laughs> and that was basically it. So I, I went more on that gut feeling, but I think it just goes to show, you know, it could be different for each person. So do what you know is going to be best for you. If you think that's more of an objective way, that'll help you feel good about it. Or if that's just more of the, like I mentioned, you know, that gut feeling, then do that or something in between. So on match day, were you all on rotations during this time? And how did you balance the stress of this process with the rotation responsibilities? Did you talk to your preceptors about this or other mentors? And did that help during this time? So I was on my last block. And it was an ambulatory care block, and I was with a Samford faculty member. And she had three students. Two of us applied for residency. One was seeking a job in retail. And we told her our plans at the beginning of the block. And she told us, she said, I'm bringing donuts on Friday. Y'all will be in clinic with one of the physicians. If you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. But you don't have to. 
luckily both students that were on rotation we both matched so it was a good day we got our match results early so I was at home when I found out and once I got to clinic and I got sat down in the chair I realized how exhausting the process was it was hard to stay there and continue my responsibilities because I was so excited I was so tired I wanted to call my friends and but overall it was a good day So match day for me happened during my off block. So thankfully with all the stress of that whole day, I did not have other responsibilities to do. Yeah. And I, I just kind of want to put a, if, if any preceptors out there are listening, I just kind of want to put a shameless plug in to consider, I know it's not always possible with scheduling and everything, but consider letting students off during match day or at least having some time to themselves, you know, when they find out the results. There's just so much emotion that goes into that singular day. And either way, you know, if they match, you know, they're going to be very distracted trying to research their future, where, where they're moving to and things like that. Or, you know, if they don't match, they're going to be trying to figure out what do I do next? And it can be very distracting just anyway. You know, they're human. It's It's very difficult to you know, participate in rotation. I know it's not always possible, but if, if there's a way to move around the schedule and maybe assign, assign alternative work, consider that. I think that should be something that we normalize. Taylor, I couldn't agree more. I'm going to share a personal story on why I agree with that. I was on rotation. I won't say where, I'll say with who. These were preceptors, just mind you, who've had, who were, had residency. I knew I wasn't going to match because y'all know I only have one interview and it did not go that great. So I didn't have my hopes up, but there was still a ch- there was still a chance. It's like that meme, you know. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> I, I had talked to them about beforehand, and I think they were willing to let me do stuff. But it was like I was inconveniencing them. I was like, my plans to you know go to the school of pharmacy because this rotation was like within walking distance. I literally could walk to the school of pharmacy, go to the school of pharmacy, talk with my mentors, prepare for the day if I don't do it, and. They allowed me to do it, but it seemed like a big inconvenience. I didn't match. And and so, I, I mean, that weekend was probably the most stressful weekend in my entire life. The next week was the most stressful. And I can still say to this day, it was the most stressful of my entire life. This was when we did the scramble. So there was no formal process. It was like, now you can get something at any point in time. And uh, they, they, had, they assigned me things to do for Monday morning. And I mean, I probably spent every waking second that weekend preparing and getting my stuff ready to try to get uh, a residency. I got reprimanded Monday morning because I didn't complete like this entire anti, this hyperlipidemia uh, document protocol thing that they wanted me to do. They didn't have much sympathy for the fact that I didn't do it. They told me verbatim. And I remember this It's ingrained in my memory. I was told uh, uh, if I can't handle this, then I'm not going to be able to be a good resident. If I can't handle this kind of stress. It's going to be way worse when I'm in residency and in the back of my head at the time, you know, you, you don't have the experience, but I thought, I'm pretty sure this is the most stressful time of my entire life. So <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's going to be worse than this. I can tell you now, having gone through two years of residency and everything, it, there is no, there was no more stressful time. And so they just made it even more stressful on me. So they made me feel, I mean, you're, you're, you're not just talking about like rotation responsibilities and maybe missing it for something that's not going to be a big impact on your life. You're talking about your future career. You're talking about a job and you're in the middle of you're, you're either going to get a job or you're not going to get a job. And so, 
I mean, this is, this is highly stressful. And even with the new process, I would say students are still going to be the most stressful time in their life. So just back to what you said, Taylor, I mean, I think we need to normalize it. I think we need to help students because mentally it was, uh, it was, I don't know how I got through it. It was, it, it's, it was horrible. It's taxing. Getting, taxing. I was getting, I was getting married in the fall and I didn't even know how close to my wife I was going to be. Ended up 600 miles away, but it's okay. It's okay. And I think as mentors and preceptors, you know, we can do a good, good job of being there for them and, yes. and saying, Hey, give me a call if you want to chat about this or meet about it or discuss your options and things like that. And I think that's what we should be focusing on for them. Yeah. What day. do you need? How can I help? Like, it would have been great if those preceptors were like, let's sit down for a little bit. Let's talk. What's your plan? What's your strategy? How are you going to do this? And just see if they could give me advice on it. It was more like, all right, you take care of this, but don't let this interfere with anything that's going on here. And, it, and that just wasn't helpful. Thankfully, I had other mentors that were very, ex- ex- extremely helpful. Mm-hmm. But yeah. All right. I'm off my soapbox now. And I know as students, you're not maybe in the position to ask off for that day but you know have those conversations you know that you're you, you know match day is coming up you've applied and you're waiting to hear about this so so it's on their radar and everything to consider but on to the next question so the deadline to register is march 3rd rankless or due march 4th this year and then there's a surprising change to match day historically it's been on a friday and i think Maybe last year it's it was on a Wednesday, but it's actually on Wednesday again this year, March sixteenth. Was it on? I Friday thought it was last on Friday. Year? It was on Friday. Yeah, it's it never on been on Wednesday, my as far as I know, which is why I was really surprised by this, and I put this in there. Macy probably has the exact day remembered. The yeah, date. Do you remember what right? time? Seriously. Central. So you have about a week and a half of just waiting, which is typical. When you were going through this, how did you manage that anticipation after you had submitted your rank list? So I think the worst anticipation for me was not that week you were waiting, but it was the actual day or the morning of where I was refreshing email, hoping it would come in early, (laughs) just not wanting to wait. At least for my, for the first one, I was on my off block, but for my second one, it was before I had to go into work. But so thankfully it did come in before I had to go to work, but it was happy news for me. I don't know how it's going to work on a Wednesday when students will then want to start preparing for phase two, where usually they have that weekend to start preparing and gathering their information if they didn't match. Yeah, I agree. I think Each part of the residency application process, I thought at the time was the most stressful. But after I submitted my rank order list, I think that was probably the most stressful time because there was nothing I could do. I guess I just didn't think about it for the most part. And then as it got closer to time, and especially the Thursday night going into the Friday morning, I think I woke up about every hour constantly checking my email, checking Reddit. Oh, pause. Checking Reddit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a spreadsheet, too, there's on Reddit a, of interviews. Yeah. and A Reddit Excel sheet that lets you know, like, other students have filled in whether or not they've gotten accepted or, like, uh, offer interview uh-huh. letters. And so you can be like, oh, this program's already sent out their offer interview, so I'm probably not going to get that one. And then you can like, oh, kind of mark gonna them have off to your get... list. We're going to have to get access to this. Access to this. <laughs> it's yeah, pharmacy residency and follow it. 
I don't know who heads it up, but every year there's mm-hmm. another Excel sheet that you can enter information on. Macy's still giving me the look like, how do you not know about this? And I'm like, where's clear? We didn't know. We didn't know about this. Oh, okay. Is All it right. still, I'm guessing it still is going on every I'm joining. Year. Yeah. 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 Okay. In- well, interesting. We'll have to, we'll have to link it in the show notes. No, <laughs> this could be I, a good, this could be a good place to get. Oh, topics. should we not link it in the show notes? I no. Is it like, a secret? No, it's not a secret, oh. but I also think that it causes a lot of anxiety. Like, oh I yeah, I don't like, like the idea. I feel like students know that it's out there and if they want to look at it, they know where to go. But if you don't want to look at it, then. Yeah, I don't think it's healthy, especially if it puts names. Does it put names of people in there? No, no, no it no, keeps no, it no. anonymous. Their programs are listed and they just check if they got the letter. Yeah, I think that might cause more anxiety. Although, you know, I applied to 13 programs. I didn't hear back from any of them. So I and I was I played this. Yeah, OK, I haven't heard in January. I haven't heard in February. Half the programs I got were not going to interview you letters. The other half, it was just. Ghosted. Ghosted. So for me, it gave me relief to know, oh, they've already sent out their offer interview yeah. letters, so I'm not getting that one, and I moved on. Yeah. I think the issue, though, with that is some programs send out interview invites in waves, and mm-hmm. so a lot of times you'll look at the spreadsheet, and it'll say whatever date, and you're like, oh, I didn't get an interview, and if you're not getting a lot of interviews during that time period, I feel like it's just more stabs. And you may end up getting an interview to that place because they may just be sending it out in waves. Yeah. And then you have like this chip on your shoulder or you have like this animosity Mm -hmm. towards the program because you're like, why was I one of the first ones that gave me an interview? I can see how that could be. And it may just be the program didn't get through your application. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's not link that in the show notes, but let's say uh, it's out there. And use it at your discretion. All right, let's pause real quick. Let's do some trivia. You all need to redeem yourselves from last week. I think we can maybe do that today. Do you all like dogs? Are you, are you all fans of dogs and animals? <laughs> Taylor, do you like dogs? Okay. I didn't know. It's not like y'all talk about them ever. Um, joking. Um, yes, a bunch of dog lovers here. So uh, dogs have been known to be people's best friend. You know, very loyal breed. You know, dogs are there. You can train them to do things. Devin, you tell me about how you're training your dog to be duck hunting. Yes, that's pretty cool. They know you could could send them to these classes for that. And Macy, you're you're getting your dog obedience training. Yes, from he, the same. Yes, place. but he's graduated yeah. from obedience. Oh, how would that work out? It's good. He's so good. That's great. Taylor, did you do any obedience training? I tried to. Um, not. I tried to personally. Oh, um, but not any classes no yeah i didn't even i didn't even try <laughs> we just taught a few tricks uh so my question resolves around the loyalty of dogs so over the years dogs have kind of changed in terms of which breed is the most loyal but generally there's been one breed that stands out at least according to rover.com so i'll give you multiple choice but which one of these is considered the most loyal dog breed is it the rottweiler is it the golden retriever is it the great pyrenees and did i say that right great pyrenees is that okay and or is it the collie which one of those dogs is considered most loyal according to rover.com it's debatable my gut is telling me golden retriever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with that but collie kind of threw me off i don't know why 
Rottweilers a protective breed. Does that yeah. mean that they're loyal, though? Yeah, I mean, golden retrievers are just like happy and bouncy, and I'm sticking with golden retriever. Yeah. All right, I'm... Devin says golden retriever. Golden retriever. Macy was getting tricked up by Lassie, but then she's committed to Golden Retriever. So I remember whenever I was trying to convince my wife that we needed a Border Collie because I've had one, you know, all growing up. It was to get our second dog. I wanted to show her that they're known for being very loyal dogs. So I, I was, I remember researching this, like the most loyal dog breeds. Oh yeah. That it was like three years ago. Was so it Rover.com? I don't, I, I have no idea. But I don't think it was listed as like the most loyal, but it, you know, it, it's up there in most of the places I, I saw. But I actually think it's uh, the Great Pyrenees. That's what I'm going to go with, with Border Collie or Collies in general, just being a close second. I don't think it's Golden Retriever or Rottweiler. All right. Let's see how good you get here. What What's third then and fourth, Mr. Expert? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Because you're, cause you're <laughs> Am I right? He's right. He's right so far. I want to see if he can get them all. So Great Pyrenees is number one. Collie's number two. Which one Which which one is third? <laughs> I don't know. In which terms one of rank, third. Rottweiler or, or, or Retriever. I want to see if um, you can get 100%. No, I'm let's do, I'll just say here. Rottweiler. You are correct. Rottweiler is number three. Oh. I wouldn't expect Rottweiler. Yeah. Well, She's maybe because they're, you know, they're, they're kind of. Yeah. Well, of course. Well, protective, I guess. Yeah, and and you know this is probably subjective, so you could probably uh, debate. You can make a case for any of them, but uh, the golden retriever is actually ranked number eleven. So never pick me for your trip. <laughs> no, but I'm figuring out. I'm definitely not picking you, but I'm picking Taylor because he's just like, let me just name these in the order of greatest to yeah. least. <laughs> no, I I, I just I, I remember researching that specifically because I I was telling my wife she you know. Border Collies are very loyal dogs, and they're they're good dogs to have. So, but for the record, I love all dogs. So, <laughs> all right, back to uh, questions. Devin and Macy, obviously, with with match day and everything, you know, you obviously either get good news or bad news. Hopefully, you all get good news. But did you all plan for what if scenarios mentally? Like, what if I don't match? What if I I do match, but it's my least ranked program? And how did you kind of mentally prepare for those? So I definitely think that I had the what if I don't match thought several times. One thing that my friends and I did was agree to tell each other our match results regardless of the outcome. And I think that that was very good for us to do because we knew that we would be able to support each other regardless of the outcome. So I did prepare for what would I do if I didn't match because my top priority was definitely getting a residency, getting trained to be a clinical pharmacist. And so on the last episode that I did, um, I talked about getting a book that had the top 100 interview questions. I also got another book that was discussing phase two, what if you don't match? Um, And I read through that book prior to um, getting the email about the match. And so I already had my layout plan of what I would do in letters I had already written, preparing for phase two if I didn't match. Going off of that, I went ahead and prepared my CV. So I went back and updated it and I had gone ahead and pulled letter of intent templates out. That way, if I didn't match, that would be something I didn't have to do 
the day of or super quickly after. I mean, updating the CV was pretty easy to do and it was already ready to go and having the letters prepared. Yeah, that's great advice. I think it's best to be prepared. Like you all mentioned, you know, if you don't match and I would encourage our listeners to go back, listen to our, one of our first episodes about, you know, what if you don't match during phase two, because I think there's still some, you can still glean some positivity. I know it might be upsetting if, if you were not to match in, you know, what you do beyond that. But, you know, I see success stories all the time of people that go on to do great things. I don't know, it sounds cliche, but if they if they don't match, they, they still end up in positions that they're happy with. And I, I think it's all a perspective and, you know, what you're and and what your ultimate goals are, because there's there's always, you know, the next year, if you if you wanted to reapply, there's always other things that you could do potentially that you could be happy with. So um, just kind of having that mindset and and um, having that perspective, I think, is really helpful. Did you find it helped keep you busy to do those things? Like, did, was it a good distraction? Yeah, I did mine the day before match results were were released. So the anxiety was pretty high at that point, and it definitely kept me distracted for a little bit. I felt like when I was doing the CV and the letters, it kind of sent me down rabbit holes of the what if I actually have to use these, but I do think it was a, a good distraction. Yeah, I did mine in between like finalizing the programs and that whole wait period until the match. I was kind of slowly working through those things. So I guess I did keep myself occupied from thinking about the match. So did you all have any contact with your programs after you matched or following your results? Yeah, my um, RPD called me, I think that afternoon um, and congratulated me. Then I got emails and things like that after her initial contact of, you know, what I needed to be doing, keeping her updated about when I was taking boards. And I was going to say, same for me. My RPD contacted me the day of calling me, um, congratulating me, uh, making that phone call offer, making sure I would accept it. And then she sent me the email about the final official offer where I had to sign a letter. And then she also let me know who my co-resident would be and gave me her contact information so we could go ahead and start talking about our next year together. I forgot about the official letter. I did have to sign that. You do have to sign an official letter accepting your residency program. Your co-resident was Caitlin, wasn't it? Yes, it was. She's told me um, about working with you on some research. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. All good things. Okay. And thank you for Devin for reminding me that I had to send you that letter to sign because that was a new, that was a new thing. So uh, ladies, any closing thoughts or last minute advice you have on mental health in the match? I think for me, I'm just going to kind of reiterate what is more of remembering what your ultimate goals are. And even if you don't match, there's other pathways to reaching those goals deciding whether or not you want to go ahead and go through phase two or the scramble, or if you just want to try to get a job and work towards your goals, taking another path. I think having a support system and people around you that are going to be a sounding board who are going to offer advice if you ask them. And I think that these people don't have to necessarily be in pharmacy 
I talked about my parents earlier. Um, I would talk to them. I would talk to my roommate who's not in pharmacy. And then the friends that I were cl- was closest to in my class and agreeing that we would, you know, tell each other regardless of the results. So just ensuring that you have a support system um, and talking to them if you need to. I love it. Great, great advice. Well, Macy, Devin, thank you again for being repeat guests on The Postgraduate Pharmacist today. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you. If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe. You can listen to us for free on your favorite podcast app and check out our show notes below to see links and highlights of the episode. And remember, you can separate and stand out.